everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD and anxiety and anxiety spectrum disorders and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you all so much, everyone, for joining me for this episode. This episode, the first of the FearCast episodes in 2024. We'll see how this year goes, everybody. Um, Last year went, it went, and this year will went as well. We'll see how it goes. Um... I'm nervous. I'm nervous because it's an election year and we're already gearing up for the nonsense that is uh, the election year. Uh, I'm pre-mourning the nonsense that I know is going to be there. I don't know why I'm ex- hoping that it's not going to be there. Anyways, I'm just I'm just bemoaning the year in advance. This is a real bummer, isn't it? Anyways, this year is starting out as a bummer in a podcast, so I apologize. Hope other podcasts aren't starting out as um, pessimistic as I all of a sudden am on this Friday that I'm recording this to be released on Monday. Anyways, aside from that, how are you all? How is your new year? Um, let's see here. What did I did I don't... You know, we did stuff for our new year. It was fun. We do... I probably mentioned this before. We have this um, tradition in my family. And uh, so we have two little monsters. They are um, adorable. One is two and a half. One is five and a half. So our New Year's, because I'm not letting those creatures stay up until midnight to celebrate the New Year. That's one. What kind of an awful parent would I be? Two, why would I hate myself enough to let these two children stay up until midnight and then barely sleep and then just be horrendous monsters the following day. So we've devised this plan and it's great. So we do our family dance party. So family dance party goes like this. We have a couple of songs that we play um, or we, we kind of collect throughout the year. We kind of like listen to a fun song and go like that one. That's a fun song. Let's listen to that song. So we put that one on the playlist and then we do it. We, we do the playlist. And then um, so uh, around, let's say like six o'clock on the 31st, right? 6 p.m. I should say. We, um, we go, we're going to prep for the dance party. So we uh, we 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 break out glow sticks so everyone has glow sticks. Well, first off, everyone needs to be in their pajamas. It's a requirement. So pajamas for everybody. And then we put on. We have. I've collected these like disco lights. I. I sound so old saying that. Gosh darn it. All right, so there are these cheapo little lights that like, they kind of move and they have, they just put, you know, nonsense lights throughout that. I have two of these cute little ones. And this year for Christmas, guess what I got? I got a smoke machine, a smoke machine that no reasonable human needs, but I knew I do. So I got a smoke machine because I wanted it for this reason. I'm going to use it twice a year for New Year's dance party and for Halloween. But Halloween was an afterthought. I mainly got it for this. It was like, it was very cheap there. Gosh, by, by the way, Smoke machines are expensive. This one's dirt cheap. Anyways, so I turn on the smoke machine. The room fills with smoke. And I put these lights on, and they're moving around the room. So it looks like a dance party, or it looks like a club in there. And as a side note, the answer is yes. I did do lights in high school in a nightclub. Um, 
And that was my high school job. So Friday and Saturday night, I would I would start at 9 p.m. and it would go until 3 a.m. And I would do lights on like a half a million dollar light system. So that was super fun. So I'm reliving the joy of making this awesome ambiance and this music that my kids probably don't care about. But I do, and it's important for me because it's. Um, I think it's fun. Anyway, so we turn on the lights and we do this, and we dance for a couple of songs, and everyone gets sweaty and weird. And then after that, we find this. Um, you know, we find like a countdown on YouTube, and we do the countdown: three, two, one, blah, and everyone goes nuts, and we do like popper, you know whatever those things are called. Um, I realized it, I was about to say, and then we all do poppers. And I realized for some, that's different than what I meant. What I meant was like the little things you pull a string and it like, it's like a tiny explosive and shoots, um, uh, shoots trash out at each other. That, not the other one. Um, again, I'm a good parent and I'm not giving my children poppers. Anyways, this is a weird it's a weird podcast. All right. So anyway, so we do that and then we turn on all the lights and you know what? I'm going to be honest. When you turn on the lights after family um, New Year's dance party, it has the exact same vibes as turning on the house lights in a nightclub at 3 a.m. It's no one looks very good. Everyone is kind of sweaty and weird. And you go, oh, that's what you look like. Oh, and you realize that you've made a poor decision. So it's a very interesting uh, tradition that I, we have at the Foss House. But you know what? Gosh darn it, if we're not going to do it again next year. And my plan this year is to get, because I want to add a, something new every year. I'm going to try to get a disco ball, like a legit, like you know, not like a huge one, but like a small one and put spotlights on it because I'm, I'm determined to make this as ridiculous as possible until someone tells me to stop. And that someone ain't going to be me, and my kids love it, so that's not going to be them. My wife is the only hope that the whole family has to not just be th thrown out of house and home with a pile of, of weird, cheap light lighting system stuff. So anyway, so that's, that's what we did. I hope y'all had a good new year, a good safe new year, and you're buckling up for another, uh, another year. And, um, hopefully it's not as pessimistic as I apparently think it's going to be. All right. Well, why don't I just jump on into the question? So I've got two, count them, two questions that I'm going to be talking about today. It, as I'm sitting here, I'm trying to find them now that I, I, I put some notes on them. And I kind of, aha, here they are. So I'm going to go through these two questions um, real quick. They're kind of themed together, so they're kind of relationship ones. So um, and I think next week I'm going to try to do this audio question, uh, so we'll see how all of that goes. But um, I've mentioned it before. If you have an audio question, you, you record your voice, you send it in, that will go to the tippity top of the list. If you would like your question answered faster than some of the other ones, you can do that. So let's, let's jump right in, everybody. All right. So <clears throat> Anxious Sorority Girl asks, Hi, Kevin. First of all, your podcast has quickly become one of my favorites on my streaming platform, and I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for all your words of wisdom. I've recently been diagnosed with OCD after two years of intrusive thoughts, crying spells, and moments of experiencing the most fear I have ever felt. Around the same time, I started to experience my OCD. I got into a relationship, or wait, at the same time I started to experience my OCD, that's how it should have been read. I got into a relationship with my now boyfriend. He is 
sweet, caring, patient, and everything I could ever ask for in a partner. Um, He gives me unconditional love through the simplest and hardest moments, and I'm so grateful for him. Throughout our entire relationship, I've experienced extreme ROCD, relationship OCD, and HOCD, otherwise known as uh, sexual orientation OCD, SOCD. Anyways, um, I have thoughts of, is he cute enough? Is he smart enough? Are we supposed to be together? Is there someone better out there for me? Concurrently, I've started to experience um, sexual orientation OCD, um, and I have, uh, or I've dealt with a ton of trauma in my life. And my brain tells me that maybe my inability to be, quote, she says normal, so we'll talk about that. My inability to be normal in a relationship means that I'm um, meant to be with a woman. I also struggle with sex and intimacy, which triggers my thoughts about maybe I would enjoy sex with a woman more. Maybe I'm not sexually attracted to men. So her question is, how can I battle these thoughts and bring myself back to the present to enjoy my relationship? So anxious sorority girl, thank you for sending this question in. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm glad that this podcast has been helpful, um, helpful for you as you're trying to figure, figure out how to manage uh, these thoughts. So where to begin on this? So what, what I'm, what I'm kind of hearing in this is like, um, I, you know, or he, you say he's, you know, you say he's, he's great. You say he's awesome. What, you know, more specifically, you said like, um, you know, he's, he's sweet, he's kind, he's, or he's caring, he's patient and everything you could ever ask for in a partner. Um, I, I, I wonder, is your brain just grabbing on to the reality that he's not perfect and, um, and that no one is perfect? I don't know. I'm willing to bet that there is something that has to do with, um, kind of brain latching onto this reality that, you know, he's going to have shortcomings and he's going to have things that aren't great about him. Um, now, that's a whole separate thing that, that, that I'll touch on here in a moment. Um, but it, 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 had, it, it reminded me of the, the, the myth of the one or moto as, um, as uh, uh, Shiva Rege talks about in her um, uh, relationship OCD book. Um, but just kind of this idea that, you know, like when, when you asked this question, you know, I said, you have thoughts. Is he cute enough? Is he smart enough? Are we supposed to be together? Is there someone better out there for me? All those questions just kind of uh, scream this, this, this fear of, is there someone out there? Is there someone out there better? Right? Are we supposed to be together? I don't know. According to who or according to what? Right? But um, does it just kind of pull you into this, this spiral of evaluating your feelings, evaluating com- and comparing to other people, evaluating your attraction to other people, to other people you, you pass by, ruminating about past relationships, fantasizing about possible boyfriend um, or possible partner in the future? Um, and it, it got me wondering for you, it's, you know, what is, you said, how do I stop, how do I, how can I battle these thoughts and bring myself back to the present? So I wonder, how is it that you're currently battling these thoughts? And and to and, and what is the thing that you're trying to resolve? Um, you know, is the is, is the problem here the rumination, just the 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 act and the effort that you're putting into the rumination about the relationship? Is it struggling to accept the reality that he isn't perfect? And I hate to tell you that 
No one is perfect. No one is going to be, no one is going to check every single one of your boxes. There is going to be something not quite perfect, even about the most perfect of partners. There's going to be something that's going to bug the heck out of you or is just simply going to not be perfect. And your brain will go, hmm, why is that? I wonder if, oh, I wonder if there's someone else out there. Anyways, is there the problem of difficulty or accepting the possibility that there's someone else out there better, the possibility that you could be happier? Or is there the risk that you just won't be fully happy or fully fulfilled? Maybe that's redundant to say, but fully fulfilled? Anyways, fulfilled. Sometimes that can be one of the, the, the deep down fears. Sometimes it's maybe I don't really know myself. Maybe I don't really know what I want or what would make me, would, would, would prevent me from being sad or maybe prevent me from being fully happy in life. So one thing, to, one thing that I would encourage you to do if you haven't done this already is if you're working with a therapist to kind of process through some of these kind of core fears, right? What is it that's motivating this rumination? You, you're doing the rumination or the checking, or the reassurances for a reason. We don't just do things that, that tick us off or stress us out or bother us for no reason. I can't imagine you're doing all this rumination and stressing out because it's fun. I can't imagine you're listening to this podcast because it's just that delightful. I, I'm telling you, there are more entertaining podcasts out there, though I think I think this is good. I try not to be awful. Anyways, it's what, what is what's motivating this? And to that end, what would you lose or what would it cost you or what would be at stake and at risk if you resisted doing this? What's on the other end of this? What is this? Think about it this way. All of this ruminating and checking and all the effort that you're putting into it, what is it trying to protect you from? And what are you going to gain from it? Right? So some of that stuff is, is, is something to consider with the therapist because that's that, that maybe what you ultimately need to sit with is the uncertainty about that, about that thing coming true. Right? That's what puts us at risk. By doing response prevention. So we've talked about this before. One of the main treatments for OCD and anxiety disorders is exposure and response prevention. Exposure, getting you closer and closer to the fears that you have. While two, response prevention. While resisting doing anything that would nullify the anxiety and minimize it, um, help you to avoid it. Right? We're trying to embrace that feeling of fear so that we can learn that we can we can be uncertain. And the reality is we are all uncertain about things. And your brain knows that. And your brain goes, This is bad, don't do this, fix this, get rid of it. And when and when we then get in that space, we kind of when we get into that space of rumination and checking and reassurances and otherwise known as all these compulsions. When we do those compulsions, we train our brain to say, this is how I deal with uncertainty, as opposed to saying, you know what? I can't be certain about the future. I can't be certain about my relationship. I can't be certain about the absolute deep down of who it is that I am or who it is that I will be. All I can know is as much as I kind of know now and round up to the best I know about me. And that feels uncomfortable. And it kind of is. And but it kind of is, and yet it's the reality that we all live in. I don't know what the future is going to hold for you. 
I don't know who the perfect person out there is for you. And I don't think there is a perfect person. I think there are persons, there are good enough persons that we find ourselves in a relationship with that we work to make that relationship work, right? It's not saying that, you know, a relate. it's, you know, that classic, like, um, you know, relationships are hard work. Like every relationship has to be like slogging and struggling every single moment of the day. That's not what I'm saying. It's that there are elements that won't be perfect. Is he smart enough? Is he smart enough for what? For you? You're the person who has to decide that. Is he cute enough for what? For you? Is he? Because that's kind of what we do. He's cute enough. Now, is he the cutest man out there? No. I'm telling you that now. I don't even know what he looks like, but no, he's not. But is he cute enough? And can we say he's going to be? I'm going to decide he's cute enough. And lean into the relationship and make that the best relationship you can with this maybe gargoyle that you are dating. And maybe this, you know, tremendous dum-dum. He's a gargoyle dum-dum that you are dating for no damned reason. And you're going to make that the best relationship you can. So, you, so to move on from that, you, you, say, you say you've dealt with a ton of trauma in your life and your brain grabs that and uses that as evidence to say that you have the inability to quote, as you said, to be normal, whatever that means, to be normal in a relationship. I'm going to interpret normal as the inability to not have OCD negatively impact your life or not have the trauma have an impact on the life that you have. So, all right. I'm first off, I'm sorry that you've had all this trauma And I hope that you have talked to someone, have worked through that trauma, and are finding a better way to live alongside that trauma, rather than that trauma dictating what your life is going to be. So, what I'll say to that is this. I want to challenge the idea that trauma means you can't, or you are disqualified from having a, a relationship or a good relationship as you would like it to be. That there are tons of people out there who have experienced bonkers trauma, tremendous amounts of trauma, and they they maintain or they are able to have a relationship. They are able to carry on and have relationships that are worthwhile and meaningful and fulfilling, etc. You are not disqualified from it, no matter what trauma you've had. Now, of course, because you don't say what type of trauma you have, it, it may not be necessary to say what kind of trauma you've had, but for whatever reason, whatever you are calling trauma, your brain says you are disqualified from, from a, a, a relationship that you would like, uh, presuming what this means is a heterosexual relationship, and instead to say, you, therefore, you must be with a woman. Well, that's where we can say, thanks, brain, for the non sequitur. Thanks, Brain, for the suggestion, because you also don't say in this that you have attractions towards women, or that you are interested in women, or that you have a a pull to be towards women. There's a history of being attracted towards women. And even if you did, that doesn't disqualify you from carrying through a heterosexual relationship as you would like. But... OCD tends to, sexual orientation OCD tends to put you into this binary. You are either one or the other. You are either in the straight box or in the gay box, and you can be in, you can only be in one or the other. 
And that's simply false because there's a lot of stuff that maybe fall outside of either one of those boxes. And if you are interested in those, interested in one of those things or attracted to do one of those things, all of a sudden by this binary, it throws everything out and you divide it by zero and nothing matters anymore and nothing counts anymore. Instead, you're practicing uncertainty. You talked about here. You talked about um, you know you've, you 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 struggle with sex and intimacy, which then further triggers this this uh, rumination. I'm willing to bet that rumination about your sexuality has a negative impact on your sex and intimacy. It's kind of this unfortunate spiral that happens with sexual orientation OCD and relationship OCD, as those two oftentimes show up together. So it, it, to that end, it may be helpful to speak to somebody about that. And you might say, well, I called you. Yeah, but I'm not your therapist. I am a therapist. And it, it's going to be helpful to get into the details of what that all means for you to help figure out and pull apart what is, you know, what is OCD, what is attraction, what is both, what is neither, and to figure out a, a different way to move forward with it. But you said, how do I battle these thoughts and bring myself back to the relationship or bring it back to the present to enjoy my relationship? So, so I question, so I, I, I'd have you consider what is it that, what is it that you do when you are enjoying your relationship and does do your compulsions get you closer to enjoying your relationship or do they in fact pull you further away from the relationship ostensibly the compulsions are there to try to help you have the best relationship that you can okay and they, and they do that by saying you know let's let's scrutinize this scrutinize this relationship and your sexuality to see if perhaps there's someone out there that's better okay is that what it's doing for you though does it does that help you or does something else matter more or bring you closer to that relationship and make you more happier i'm willing to bet that when you engage the relationship engage with him and are present with him and put and are not turning your attention towards these questions giving these questions airtime or deep consideration as as what they will or as what they mean for you in your relationship. I'm willing to bet that you feel more connected to your partner. I'm willing to bet that you feel closer to him, that you have more enjoyment in those moments. And um, and I, I I bring that up as as a way of acknowledge or as a way of leaning into the response prevention piece. Now. There is the risk here, and I'm putting this in quotes, the risk. There is the risk of not answering those questions and saying, I don't know. And when you, do, when you say, I'm not going to answer those questions, I'm not going to answer whether or not I would enjoy sex with a woman more, because you also say that as a, as a question, like maybe I would, I, I can, I'm going to infer from that 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 means you have not had a sexual relationship with a woman to compare it to. So it's speculation. And this often happens with, with OCD. It says, what if this other experience, which you have never had, you would enjoy more? And it uses that, not as a question, but it says, it ultimately, at the underneath it, it says, you would enjoy it more. That's the accusation. And then we immediately go into, well, that doesn't quite fit with what I, the deep down me, feels is accurate about me. So we get into this rumination cycle. We get into this checking and, and evaluation and scrutinizing my inner feelings and my past and my future and all, right? 
we try to refute this assertion that OCD has pulled out and has pulled out from maybe nothing, right? So we leave it unanswered. And it's not to say that if an oracle came down and said, here's what your sexuality is, you wouldn't be interested to hear the answer. But it's to say, you've gone through this rumination quite a bit. Has it gotten you closer to the answer that you're wanting? Or is it ultimately creating more doubt and confusion and stress and anxiety? Probably that second one. So, some of the best things you can do with this to help battle your thoughts and get back to the present is to practice being present, is to engage with the relationship. When there's, that, when there's that urge to pull you away from the relationship, to evaluate the relationship, when it pulls you away to, to, to consider the possibility of other people or fantasy partners or possibility of being with a woman in the future or currently or whatever it might be, acknowledge those are, those are ruminations, those are compulsions, and those are distracting you, distracting and detracting from your present moment. And then bring yourself back to the moment. And this is where it's going to feel like you're betraying yourself, but ultimately, that's that feeling to sit with. You're going to say, you know what, maybe, maybe all those things are true. And I'm going to go try to make this the best relationship that I can. And reach out to him, or reach out to a friend, or reach out to things that you value more. And engage with those. Now, this isn't to say shut down those thoughts, right? We're not talking about thought suppression here, right? You said, how do I battle these thoughts, right? And this is the crazy part. By battling these thoughts, we battle them through doing nothing with them. Through going, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. But here's what I'm going to do. And then you engage with your relationship as best you can. So, I hope some of this gives you something to think about. And of course, you know, you can practice scripting and, you know, writing about discovering that maybe you are indeed gay and you, your relationship is a farce and, um, you know, you've been using him as a, as a beard the entire time or whatever it might be. Is that how that works? I don't think it, no, 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 it's, it would, it, whatever you, anyways, hopefully it would, it would not be beard. It would probably be something else. But anyways, it would point is, is that it, you discover somewhere, you know, in the near future that you are indeed gay and your life is ruined and you're embarrassed and terrible and everything is awful. Maybe. Maybe that's how that's going to go. Or maybe nothing happens. But we have to sit and wait. We can sit, you can sit and say, you know what, maybe I'm not, I, maybe I am. And I'm going I'm to discover it at some point in the future. Or I'm going to turn at some point in the future. But it's not right now. So I'm going to say, maybe I am. And see, see and wait. Wait for the day that the bottom falls out and you are indeed. But until you are certain of it, we're going to say, I don't know. But here's what I am going to do. And that's going to be pursuing my relationship with my boyfriend. So anxious sorority girl, I hope that gives you some things to consider. Now, um, again, I didn't go over specific exercises, but just more of some uh, uh, ways to consider that. So I'm going to move on to the next question. This last question for today comes from Tina. And Tina says, Hello, um, I've experienced OCD for the majority of my relationship. It all started when a psychic told me my current partner is not my forever. I've also, uh, I also got caught up with birth charts and read that we, uh, that we are not compatible and are, not going to, or, and are going to get divorced due to our birth charts. 
I come from divorced parents, and we are set to get married this year. It's always just at the back of my mind, and I don't know how to help it. So, Tina, I'm going to say great question. I suppose. I'm going to say great question. So here, here it, I'll, I'll put this out there and just say, I don't hold a lot of stock in psychics, nor in birth charts. However, I know that people do. So I'm going to answer it from that perspective as best I can, because I also don't want to deny your genuine beliefs as you kind of acknowledge birth charts. I'm going to, all right. I'm going to presume that you put stock in birth charts and psychics outside of this this question, okay? Because it's there, there can be a couple ways to look at this question, and I'm gonna I don't know why I'm talking a lot or thinking a lot about this. Um, so someone can have genuine belief in psychics and the, the 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 thoughts and advice from psychics, and in the applicability of birth charts in their life, okay. And someone can also read those things, hear that information, and not really have a whole lot of interest in them, but OCD grabs onto it and says, hey, you know what, psychic lady over here told me this, and out of her crystal ball, or the cards, or tea leaves, or I don't, I don't know, the fingernails on the chalkboard, whatever it is, told me this. Now, oh boy, OCD would love to latch onto that, because how do you disprove that, right? It's tough. And OCD knows that, loves that. And I, would, I also wonder if you heard this from a psychic and then you consulted a birth chart, may or may not have believed in it, but you went, well, within the psychic world, I could consult birth charts and I'm going to do this as a compulsion to check because maybe I can undo what the psychic lady said by looking at a birth chart and the birth chart will tell me this. And it did not give you the answer that you wanted to. And it is now just, just pulling at you. Okay. So all of that is a possibility. Now, I also recognize, so let's let's put this in a different context. So I'm kind of doing this for myself. Let's put this in a different context. Let's say that you had a you had a faith in a kind of a, a traditional mainline theistic relationship, or even not relationship. Um, interesting Freudian slip. Um, religion. Okay. So let's say you has that. All right. And God said. Oh, this is super weird. This is a whole separate note. Oh my gosh, I'm getting sidetracked by this. I'm at my office and looking at the window and there's like 18 cops and another cop with a camera and they're walking around. Oh my goodness. No, well, now I'm nosy. All right, I'm going to focus. Focus. All right. So I want to know what is going on with the police officers. Okay. So, um, all right, let's say you had a mainline, mainline belief and God told you, you got, a, you got either... Um, you got two things. One, you had someone in your religious community that said, you know what? I'm getting a strong belief that God, God has told me that your relationship is not going to work out. Now, that might get stuck in your craw. You might then read some type of passage in your religious text that speaks to something that points against your relationship. Okay? Now, both of those OCD can grab onto. One thing that we, I, I always want to challenge with things like this is, well, how do you know? How do you know that this is, a, that this is true? How do you know that for a fact that the psychic is not, is, is not just a charlatan? How do you know that they maybe are wrong? 
maybe they can be wrong. Some people, as it turns out, are wrong. Um, there have been plenty of people who have tried to predict the end of the world via their religious text, and we all still hear, as far as we know. I hear the existential OCD folks going, but maybe we aren't. Possible. It's also possible. Anyways, but the, um, the idea that they could be wrong, and maybe the birth charts are inaccurate. And maybe we can also say this. Maybe you're going to get married to this dude anyways. And maybe it's going to be a fantastic, amazing, wonderful relationship that has its own struggles like every other relationship, like maybe anxious sorority girls relationship, like everyone else's. And you're going to have to work at it and there's going to be some weird stuff and there's going to be some, you know, some points where you just, you know, you just won't line up and you won't agree on things. And, you know, you're going to have to come to a, uh, uh, come to a, a, an agreement to disagree, as they say. I don't know. I don't know, Tina. But what I do know is we have to accept the uncertainty over the decision that you're making and we have to play it out. Maybe the relationship is indeed going to fail. Maybe the, the marriage is going to fail. And maybe it's not. But we can get, you can get me, because I get the feeling you actually want to marry this dude. So great, go marry him. And acknowledge that, you know what, maybe, let me, let's say this, maybe everything else points to, this is a great relationship. You guys get along, all of your friends, your family think that you are, are wonderful together. But you know what? Um, this, uh, the, the, you know, the, the woman over here, what is it? Uh, uh, the, oh, no. Uh, I was going to say Madame Tussaud. Is that her? No. Anyways, um, I'm trying to think about the woman from uh, Haunted Mansion. Madame, doesn't matter. That woman. So some, some psychic says you're not going to be together. Okay. Well, that's one opinion. So, if, so I would encourage you to take the risk. And when that thought comes in that says, you know what? Psychic told me it's going to fail. Birth chart said it's going to fail. You go, maybe. But not today, it's not. And bring yourself back to the relationship today. What are you doing today? OCD or compulsions are, and the ICBT folks are going to um, agree with this uh, since it is stolen, borrowed, taken, used from their approach. Um, compulsions are a dissociative process. You dissociate from the present when you engage in compulsions. So instead of engaging with your compulsions, which are probably placing you way into the future about something that may or may not happen, bring yourself to today. How are things going today? to today? Are there issues that you guys need to hammer out? Are there disagreements that you could talk about? Are things going great and you're just living your best life in this married life that you have? Awesome. Address the issues that need to be addressed. Enjoy the present. Enjoy the wonderfulness that is here in the moment today. And when that thought comes up about the future, you're going to say, maybe. Maybe that's tomorrow's thing, but today's thing is, I don't know, conversations about who's, you know, who is or is not closing the cabinets or who is or is not putting the lid on the mayo. Or the toilet seats. I think that's a thing that people worry about. Anyways, address the things today that are that you have tangible evidence over that are conflicts, right? I think that relationship OCD and um, relationship OCD, OCD, not necessarily is, but it's kind of like, all right, it's a combination of 
genuine relationship issues with OCD. So what are the things you can address today and leave for tomorrow? So that's kind of a very simplistic and a very tangible thing that you can do. And and again, just like the advice given to anxious sorority girl, lean into the relationship. How do you make how do you make this the best relationship that you can, even though it's doomed to fail? What are the things that you can do to make it the best that you can today? And we're gonna see if maybe it fails tomorrow. Or it doesn't, and it succeeds. It's and I'm using this language that I know that you know other people out there would, would fight me on. Um you know, but I presume people enter into marriage thinking the success of the marriage is that it maintains and continues through forever. And I, I suppose I'll, I'll back that up here. So, Tina, I hope things, I, I hope this makes sense. I hope um, you can practice this and saying maybe this is going to be the thing. And I'd also encourage you, maybe lay off of the psychics and lay off of the birth charts if those were compulsions in the first place, um, or if they are compulsions ongoing, and resist getting into looking for outside sources to confirm your relationship, because that is what we call reassurance seeking, and that is a four-letter word around these parts. So, let it go. Let go of trying to confirm from outside sources whether or not your relationship will, will succeed or fail. And lean into the relationship with your partner and say, how are we making this the best relationship we can? Am I meeting your needs? Are you meeting my needs? And talk about that together. And loosely hold that maybe Psychic Lady was right. We'll see how it goes. You let me know. So, Tina, thank you so much for the question. Anxious Sorority Girl, thank you so much for the question. So, I'm going to bring in those uh, that music here. So, thank you all, everybody, for listening and letting me be a part of your recovery journey. Um, if you would like your question answered on a future episode, go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can uh, click on the Submit a Question link and send me a uh, text question there. Find me over at Instagram as well. You can send me an audio question there. Now, I had someone who had some struggles between sending an audio question um, via Instagram. They couldn't somehow find the little microphone button in the direct message that was able to send it. So if you can't, record your question in whatever format you can and email me the file. Email it to questions at fearcastpodcast.com and I will get it and like and put it up on a future episode. So if you need a little bit of help, or please remember that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you need a little bit of help in your recovery, go to fearcastpodcast.com, click on the find help link, and there's going to be some stuff for you there. So until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.